0: Thank you choir, thank you orchestra, Midnight Cry, a song that fits very well with our biblical passage for today, and I do want to encourage you to begin turning in your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 25. Almost doesn't count. Those are words that have been used many times and in various circumstances to describe the inadequacy of nearly, but not quite, achieving something. I almost made the basketball team. I almost passed my math exam. I almost made it to work on time. I almost quit the team, I almost went to church, I almost asked that girl out on a date, I almost became a Christian. These and various other almosts provide a window into someone's interest or personality or perhaps even talents. But in most arenas, almost doesn't count for a whole lot. And the same thing is true when it comes to knowing God. Almost repenting. Almost trusting. Almost believing. And almost following won't cut it when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes to take his people into his kingdom. This morning we look at a parable, the parable of the ten virgins found in Matthew chapter 25 is our final parable that we will look at together in this sermon series entitled The Divine Storyteller. And we've looked at a number of stories that Jesus told. And this morning I think we'll see from God's word that Jesus will return for his followers. Jesus will return for his followers. That's a simple truth that's been believed and is believed by Christians around the world, past, present, and future. But I believe it has significant, profound implications for us as we seek to to know and to apply God's word to our lives today. So I do want to invite you to look with me at Matthew chapter 25 as we begin reading in verse 1. This is Jesus speaking, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. So Jesus begins to tell this story, this parable, this scenario about a bridegroom that is coming for his wedding celebration, and we read about ten virgins or ten bridesmaids that are waiting for the arrival of the groom, and we're told that that five of them are foolish because they don't have any oil with them for their lamps, and five others are. Wise, because they took oil and jars along with their lamps, and we read that the bridegroom was delayed. he was a long time in coming, but at midnight, verse six, the cry rang out here 's the bridegroom, come out to meet him." Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, "Give us some of your oil. our lamps are going out. no." Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Now think for a moment about the various characters represented in this story that Jesus told. Because Jesus told these stories in his day, inviting his listeners to to identify with the characters of the story. And we're told that there are these ten virgins, ten bridesmaids and The point here is not specifically about the virginity. That would be assumed in this case. But there were young women, bridesmaids, who were there as assistants to the bride. They were there to to serve the bride. This wasn't their special day in the same sense that it was for the bride, who, interestingly enough, is not mentioned in this parable. But they did have an important role to play. They were to be there... To be there waiting on the bridegroom. Because in that day, wedding festivities and wedding celebrations were usually much longer than they are today. Today, we often have about a 30-minute wedding ceremony followed by a short reception. And then, uh, from our perspective, the wedding is over. The celebration is over. Not so in that day. As we saw last week, weddings in Jesus' day often lasted for several days and the celebration went on and on and what usually took place we think is that the beginning of the wedding celebration took place at the bride's home and so the groom would be at the home of the bride, celebrating the wedding festivities and the bridesmaids, these virgins in this case would would then be waiting for the groom to leave the bride's home and then to process with him through the streets back to the groom's home at night after after sundown at nightfall to continue the celebration to continue the wedding festivities we're told here that were these five bridesmaids who were foolish and five were wise and the five foolish ones didn't have any oil for their lamps but the five wise ones took extra oil in jars for their lamps. Now these are not kerosene lamps or lanterns like you take with you when you go camping. What they had was probably what we think of when we think of torches, rags that were wrapped around a long rod and then soaked with oil so that they would burn. They would need periodic dousing so that they would stay lit in the streets at night. And before we're too quick to to identify the the five foolish virgins as such, remember that we read in verse 5 that the bridegroom was a long time in coming. In other words, his arrival was delayed. It means these, these five young ladies probably didn't show up with no oil at all. They probably showed up with, with oil-soaked rags ready for the torches. But his arrival took much longer than they anticipated. Perhaps they would have been prepared if the groom showed up at 8 p.m., but he showed up at midnight. And when his presence was finally announced... Verse 7, all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps, trimmed the charred charred ends off of the rags so that they would burn better. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. While they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with them to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. In other words, those that weren't prepared, the foolish ones in this particular parable, missed the boat. They weren't pre- prepared at the proper time, and thus they missed the wedding celebration. They missed the banquet. And in the story, after they had left, Upon hearing that the the bridegroom is coming, they quickly left realizing that they were unprepared and to go purchase some oil. They come back in verse 11 and they said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Now this particular parable that Jesus told is describing what it will be like at the return of Christ, at the second coming of the king in God's kingdom. And just as we saw last week, the, the one who's compared to a bridegroom in God's kingdom is Jesus himself, the bridegroom, and he will return for his followers. And a great wedding celebration will begin when He is forever united to His bride, the church. Jesus will return for His followers. But before we make too light of that spiritual truth and act as if there's nothing else for us to glean from this parable, I want to caution us because... I believe there are some penetrating spiritual truths found in this parable that, that we need to understand and apply and live in light of day by day. And firstly, we see that the institutional church is comprised of both genuine Christians and nominal Christians. The institutional church is comprised of both genuine Christians and nominal Christians. And let me explain What I mean by that. The ten bridesmaids in this parable, I believe, are representative of those who profess allegiance to Christ and are awaiting the arrival of Christ, awaiting the arrival of the bridegroom in God's kingdom. All ten of them, all of them, the foolish ones and the wise ones, profess allegiance to him. They knew he was coming, they're waiting for his arrival. We read in God's word, we read in John chapter 14 a a passage that is often read at funeral services and memorial services for Christians today. Words of Jesus to his disciples, to his followers. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Jesus is returning for his followers. He's returning for his disciples. And he will come and take them to, to be with him, to be in his glorious presence forever. Forever. And to experience eternity celebrating with the Creator, with the King, with the Lord, with the Savior, forever and ever. But not all of those that claim this Christ as Lord truly know Christ as Lord. Not everyone who claims Jesus as Lord knows Christ as Lord. And that's the distinction we see in this particular story between the foolish virgins and the wise virgins. All claiming to serve the bridegroom. All waiting for the bridegroom. All professing allegiance to the bridegroom. Yet some of them were unprepared. Why does this matter for us? It matters because in the institutional church, in the physical church, in the established church comprised of denominations and buildings and meetings. There are a number of of genuine believers and followers of Christ who have repented of sin and trusted in Christ for salvation. But there are also many, many others who Only casually associate with the Lord Jesus in name only. And the unfortunate reality is that many in that latter camp believe they are in the former. And we can identify with this mentality on some level. I think a number of us can, particularly during this time of year when March madness is going on and many of us have. Filled out brackets, guessing who we think is going to win each game and each round and ultimately go to the championship. And we began to root for all sorts of teams that for the rest of the season we don't care anything about. And if your bracket looked anything like mine, then last night you were a nominal fan of Arizona because you had them go into the championship game, if not winning the whole thing. And they lost in the quarterfinals. All of a sudden, you care about a team that the rest of the year, 99% of the time, you care nothing about how they do. All of a sudden, you're a nominal fan of that team. And the church is comprised of genuine believers who have trusted in Christ for salvation and recognize that He is Lord, that He is Savior and desire to follow Him with their lives but also many, many others that only casually associate with Him. That perhaps outwardly don't look a lot different from those that that truly follow Him. Just like outwardly There didn't appear to be much difference between the foolish virgins and the wise virgins. And because this is true, every one of us ought to examine our hearts today. Examine your heart. Examine your heart before God. Have you truly given God your heart? Have you repented of sin and trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord Recognizing that He is Savior. Desiring to follow after Him. Have you responded to Him in faith? Have you given Him your life? Are you trusting in Him to lead you day by day? Or is this whole church thing simply the best option for you at the time? The best available thing at the time A popular thing in Birmingham, Alabama in 2014. Because chances are that on March 30th, 2014, there are many rooms just like this one filled with many nominal, pew-sitting Christians who have never truly given their hearts to Christ. Examine your heart before God today. But there are also many, many believers. Many, many believers gathered in churches just like this one today. Who have gathered together to worship the King. Because they've acknowledged that he is Lord, that he is Savior, that he is worthy of our adoration, that he is worthy of our praise, that he is worthy of our lives. And according to this parable, I believe that we see that those prepared for Jesus' return will enjoy the wedding celebration. Those prepared for his return will enjoy The bridegroom arrived, the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Those who were ready, prepared for his arrival, went in with the bridegroom and enjoyed the wedding celebration. Folks, Jesus is coming to receive his people. Jesus is coming to receive his people. According to God's word, Jesus will return again to take in his own, to take in his followers, Christians, those who have trusted in him for salvation, turn to him for eternal life. And compared to wedding celebrations today, wedding celebrations in Jesus' day were long. But they didn't even begin to compare to the everlasting celebration that will take place when the king and God's kingdom, the bridegroom, is forever united to his bride, the true church. What a glorious day that will be for the people of God. The joys and the excitements that we experience and feel at times in this life will pale in comparison to the joy and the excitement that we experience when we are in the glorious presence of our Maker. Jesus is coming to receive His people. But some who believe they are ready will not be ready for His arrival. Some who believe they are ready will not be ready for His arrival. All of the bridesmaids were waiting for the arrival of the groom. Thinking that they were ready. They were waiting, anticipating His arrival. Anticipating His coming. But because of the delay, some of them were not ready. No one else can get you ready for the return of the king. No one else can transfer his or her readiness to you. Just because your grandmother was a sweet little lady who prayed every day and never missed Sunday school for 33 years doesn't mean that you will Go to heaven when you die. I'm convinced today that many churchgoers, many people who go to church week after week and sit in church services really don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's a reflection, I think, of oftentimes poor teaching and poor preaching and poor leadership in the life of the local church but but we must be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must know the message of salvation and forgiveness and eternal life in Jesus Christ. That is that is what unites us together as the people of God. That is why we can gather. That is why we can can have intimate fellowship with each other that perhaps we could not have with anybody else. And because Jesus is coming to receive His people and some who believe they're ready will not be ready for His arrival, let's be sure that we proclaim the full gospel. Let's proclaim the full gospel. Oftentimes today, I think, the gospel is, is given one of, of two different Extremes in the life of many local churches. On one hand, it's often avoided entirely, not made explicit, generalized, universalized. On the other hand, in other circles, sometimes it's reduced to a, a simplistic formula of say these words and you'll have eternal salvation. And the result of either extreme is often the same, giving men and women, boys and girls, a false sense of assurance of salvation. In Christ. Church, we exist to glorify God by knowing God through biblical worship and growing together as disciples of Christ and going throughout the world with the gospel of Christ. Therefore, we must know and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news that although every single one of us and every other human being to ever walk on the face of this earth has fallen short of the perfect standard of the perfect and holy and righteous God, thereby deserving the judgment, the wrath of that same God, He has come to us. He has send His Son to us to live among us, ultimately to die for us, to take on the judgment that you and I deserve, so that by faith in Him, trusting in Him, acknowledging that that Jesus is Lord of all and Savior of the world, we can have forgiveness of sins, salvation, and eternal life in Jesus Christ. Church, Know that message. Believe that message. Proclaim that message. There is no forgiveness of sins. There is no salvation. There is no eternal life. There is no wedding banquet with the King of kings and Lord of lords. Apart from hearing that message of grace and responding with faith in Jesus Christ. Let's proclaim the full gospel. These foolish virgins came to the bridegroom and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. I don't know you. Words of rejection. Church, there is a too late in God's sovereign timetable. invite you to turn with me to, to the letter to the Hebrews. To the right, near the end of your Bibles. After Titus and Philemon and before James. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 beginning in verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me. Though for 40 years they saw what I did, That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Verse 12, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness." We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them. Because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Church, you've heard the gospel message. I've heard the gospel message. If we haven't heard it before today, we've heard it today. Let's not be like those in the wilderness. Who heard the message and it was of no value to them. Let's be like those who responded in faith and obey. Heed the message. Since those unprepared for Jesus' return will miss the wedding celebration, we must prepare now. With those unprepared for Jesus' return, for the bridegroom's return, the king's return, will miss the wedding celebration. You and I must prepare Now, there will be a too late. When Jesus said, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Chilling words of rejection like those found in Jesus' sermon on the mount to his listeners found in Matthew chapter 7. Beginning in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? In other words, done many outward things in the name of Jesus? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Scripture teaches that the Lord knows those who are his. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. And those who are his are those who know and follow Jesus Christ. Jesus will return for his followers. But those who are not following him on that day will be rejected. So in light of that, we ought to live like Jesus is returning today. Live as if Jesus is returning today. We ought to watch and wait and anticipate the arrival of the King. And the great wedding celebration that will begin to take place at His return for all of those who are His. All of those who know him and have trusted in him. We ought to watch out because no one knows contrary to many failed attempts. The day or the hour of the Lord's return. The Lord may be delayed a bit longer. But he is coming. For in just a little while he who is coming will come and will not delay hebrews chapter 10 verse 37 live like jesus is returning today because jesus will return for his followers let's pray father we thank you for your word we thank you for salvation forgiveness of sins by your grace through the bloodshed of christ in our place on our behalf Lord, we pray that you would remind us of it daily. Pray that your spirit would not allow a day to go by in which we don't recognize that we are only yours by your grace. By repenting of a life ruled by sin and trusting in you for forgiveness of sins and for salvation, for eternal life. Lord, as your people, we anticipate your return. We Look forward to the day in which we will be united with you in your presence forever. And Lord, I pray that we as individuals and as families and as a church would live in light of that truth that you are returning for your followers. Lord, I pray that you would help us to examine our hearts today to see if we are indeed your followers and and to proclaim that gospel. To proclaim it day after day after day so that others might come to know you and be found ready when you return. Lord, we do love you and we ask that you would receive our praise now, that you would lead us as we respond to you today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.